Grace Pod is a ministry of Grace Church Greenwich. For more resources to help you get to know God better through His Word, including bite-sized theology and answers to big questions, do check out www.greenwich.church. We hope you enjoy this episode. So chapter 3, verses 1 to 13, and it seems to change tack a bit this time. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, and then the ESVs put in a dash, and it's like this next section sort of in brackets. Or um, Structure helps us as usual. So verse 1, I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, and then verse 13, don't lose heart of what I'm suffering for you. So it starts him as the prisoner, it ends with him suffering. And I guess verse 13 gives us the purpose. I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering. Mm-hmm. When we did our training day, you had a really good illustration over why Paul being in prison could be really quite discouraging for the Ephesians. Well, I think we're so used to, because of Acts, you know, Paul goes to prison and he comes out. It just seems pretty ordinary and we don't get thrown by it. But if you put yourself into the sandals of the first readers and, you know, Let's you say you arrive in a new town. Oh, mum, I found a new um, you know, religious organisation. Oh, tell me about it. Well, it's run by this guy. He's a convict. Uh, he's in prison. Um, and, it, you know, your mum starts to ask a few questions, and, and rightly so. And I think, you know, we, we can't underestimate the shame in that context of Paul's imprisonment. Has this discredited the fact that he's, you know, we thought he was a, a powerful, blessed by God kind of guy, and he's actually you know, clearly not blessed in the way we thought. Um, so this, that kind of explains why there's so much I and me and my um, in this passage. I mean, it, it is about, I was made a minister, I am. Um, it's about Paul, but necessarily so, because he's defending his own ministry in the light of his imprisonment. Yes, that's right. And the other um, repeated idea, apart from me, my, I, Paul, is the idea of revelation so made known verse three revelation uh, bring to light um, we get this in verse five was not made known as it has now been revealed or verse nine bring to light verse 10 made known etc so you've got a lot about paul and you've got a lot about a kind of um god's revelation hitting state by stages um along the way and we found three stages right so it's from god to paul and the other apostles and then from paul to the nations which was his special commission to be the preacher gentiles and then the nations becomes the gentile church or the jewish gentile church and then finally in verse 10 from the nations to the rulers and authorities um maybe we'll use that as our structure and kind of go through each of those stages sure Sure. So um, stage one, I guess, verses two to six, is that Paul is a linchpin in God's uh, revelation of something called the mystery. Um, So verse three, the mystery um, is now made known to me, to Paul, by revelation. Um, And then he goes into how this, what the mystery is. Do you want to talk about that? So, yeah. So mystery verse four, mystery verse so mystery verse three, mystery verse four, and then he defines it, verse six, this mystery is. And when we read it, it doesn't sound to us very mysterious because we, we're kind of used to it, but the Gentiles are fellow heirs, or the nations, the word Gentiles just means 
anyone not Jewish. All of the nations of the world can be fellow heirs, mm -hmm. members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus to do the gospel. So actually this is what we looked at in the last couple of studies, where through the Lord Jesus and his death, those who are far off are brought near. Yeah. But that was a mystery. Like people didn't know that before. Um, and yet you think, but they kind of did. And that's why, we, again, we need nuance here. Because he says, um, verse 5, it was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed. And I remember thinking it's, it's significant he says as rather than but. So you could say it wasn't made known into sons of men in other generations, but it's now been revealed. That would mean Isaiah didn't know it. Abraham darkness, didn't know darkness, it. Darkness, light. But this is, it wasn't made known as. Otherwise, it was made known, but just not as clearly. Like dim light and now full Ooh. halogen sort of spotlight. Yeah, exactly. And, and it must be that because there's places in the Old Testament where this mystery was hinted at. So, so um, Genesis 12, we know that through Abraham's seed, blessing will come to the whole world. We know that Isaiah, Israel's to be a light to the Gentiles and all the individuals like Naaman um, or Jethro or... Naaman, Ruth. Syrian, Jethro, Midianite, Rahab, Canaanite, Ruth, and Moabite. So you go... That you know, in the Old Testament, you could tell. I'm going to speak out because there's drilling outside. Not ideal for a podcast to do it when the names have got building work on. But anyway, um, yeah, they they did there. There were hints that you didn't have to be Jewish. Even at the Exodus, it wasn't only Jewish people who went through the Red Sea. Yeah. It was a mixed multitude. So there were hints there, but and kind of with hindsight, you think, isn't it really obvious? But it just wasn't very obvious. And he, there are even my favourite verse that gives a big clue. Psalm 47 9 the princes of the peoples say Gentiles gather as the people of the God of Abraham so it, when you look hard there's actually quite a lot in the Old Testament but suddenly it, when the apostles start proclaiming to you know you know in the Areopagus at Athens this is a very new stage there's new light etc and this is often the way that I mean the mystery hidden in plain sight and it was there all along but you didn't notice it. And the apostles preaching, and then it isn't so much, here's a new idea, but let me show you in your scriptures the thing you should have seen but didn't. Sure. And and has now been achieved because they Christ needed to come as well as they needed a spotlight on the scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was Paul who was really significant. Paul and the other apostles were significant in the revelation of this mystery. Um, <laughs> can we even hear with hammering we'll only know when we listen to the recording afterwards if you're still listening and we decide to go with it then thank you for bearing with the bang 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 um yes where were we <laughs> so, so stage paul, stage one the the mystery goes from god to paul and then stage two from paul to the nations yeah so this is verse seven right of this gospel i was made a minister a servant according to the gift of god's grace which was given me by the working of his power so this is I guess Paul's conversion specifically, um, God strikes him blind and opens his eyes and says, I'm commissioning you to go to the nations, Paul. And this Isaiah promise of the light to the nations, which was meant to be about Israel's and Israel, they were supposed to be like the nations, but they weren't. Mm -hmm. And then it was about the Lord Jesus, he's like the nations. And now Paul, as Jesus' servant, becomes the one through whom the light comes to the nations. So here's this guy in prison, and yet, Isaiah was talking about him and he's like absolutely central to God's unfolding plan. Yeah. 
And I love the way Paul speaks about his commission. So it's by grace. So according to the gift of God's grace, verse 7, this grace was given. And this is a real head shift because I think sometimes as Christians we think, well, it was by grace I was brought into the family, but now I try and pay it back and I, I do my bit. And the Bible looks at it so differently and says, yes, it was grace you were brought in and now it's grace that enables you to serve God. So even the service that, you know, you get to the end of the day, you know, you've, you've served God all day and you say, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your grace that has enabled this part. We never, we, it's, it's never switches back and we start repaying. It's just grace, grace, grace all the way. Um, it's, it's a, it is a head shift of how, you know, what a wonderful thing it is. When, when John the Baptist says, I'm not worthy to untie Jesus' sandals, it, no amount of service um, is, we're not worthy of even the most menial service of God and it's a privilege. Yeah. So if you said somebody, where where does Ephesians talk about grace? My memory verse when I was a baby Christian was Ephesians 2, it's by grace you've been saved yeah. through faith. And you'd add, and it's by grace we serve, and it's by grace Paul has this ministry. Exactly. So from God to Paul, made known um, in a clearer way than, than people had seen before, from Paul to the nations, because then he does this job. I mean, Paul is like the first international explorer isn't he because he travels further than anyone has before did i mean like he's i mean nowadays you just you know you can book flights and well um travel around the world but paul's missionary journeys were just unprecedented for one individual to travel to so many places alexander the great did a good trip but yeah he didn't um it wasn't on his own um and then from god to paul paul to the nations and then there's a slightly different one in verse 10, but it's the same verb. So through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. And this isn't made known in that we open our mouths mm-hmm. like Paul did, but this is made known because the existence of the church itself testifies to something. So if the mystery is Gentiles can be included, that the proof of that is then Gentiles are included and here's this church and here's a church in Ephesus, which is mainly Gentiles. And yet they're part of the Commonwealth of Israel and they know the Jewish Messiah and they're, they're the new temple, all the things we looked at last time. Yeah. Um, and that is made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And we just need to think about who they are because mm-hmm. um, sometimes we hear rulers and authorities and we think, oh, that means like the, the Roman emperor and the governor of Ephesus and stuff. But in Ephesians, uh, the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, we're talking angelic, demonic beings. We've met them already in chapter 1. Yeah, and then in chapter 6, verse 12, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the religious authority. So they are hostile to God. Um, they're very powerful. It's a, it's a big theme in the Bible. Um, so when, um, when Adam fell, it was because he listened to the voice of a serpent. Behind the serpent was angelic, hostile powers, Satan. And so we've become... Um, under them and then we saw that in chapter 2 that we, we've become following the power of the ruler of the air and so on so um, this is this is our big problem as humanity that there are oppressive evil forces that rule us um, but now in the gospel not only are we raised above them chapter 2 but we are part of God's message to them look at the church and see how wise I am uh, this is the idea for us we, you know, we think who's watching the church sometimes you know people say behave in a godly way because the world is watching 
which is true. But Paul would say, behave in a united way and a godly way because far beyond the world watching, mm. it's on a cosmic... Now, a cosmic stage... Like the Book of Job. Right, which mm. is played out... The Book of Job opens in heaven with a, an argument between God and Satan. And then everything that's played out in Job's life is a testimony to Satan that he's wrong. So every day is highly consequential if you're a Christian because you are on the stage and what happens in your life is part of a much bigger story with God and the devil so everything matters yeah I think this is something presumably that the Ephesians would have found it easier to grasp than we do because I mean I don't know who we are but we are, we can think in the West in quite a materialist way but the Ephesians were very aware of the spiritual world. I mean, they, you know, you read Acts 19 and there's this massive magic industry, this occult industry. Um, there were demons beating up Jewish exorcists supernaturally. So they, they were really aware that there are supernatural powers beyond this world. When Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood, they go, yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> that isn't a surprise to them. Um, maybe, maybe we're naive to that. Yeah. So we don't, we don't think oh, here's an argument about the coffee rater at church and we've fallen out. We don't think of that as a spiritual, demonic, on a cosmic stage sort of thing. And by the time you get to chapter four, do not give the devil a foothold. Oh yes, unity in the church is the way, the, the devil wants to disrupt that because he's got to, he, he wants to unwind this plan that God is doing. Yeah. So I just speaking personally, Verse 10 here has been a very a game changer for me personally. I remember the first time it was explained to me, I was in the Christian Union, I was a student, and it was the first time I'd seen how central the church is in God's purposes. So I love Jesus, but I didn't really get what the church was. In fact, it was quite embarrassing, the church, very often. And this made me think, ha, huh, the church is at the sweet pot spot. This is the hub of all that God is doing in the world. And actually, I changed my plans of what I was going to do the next year on the basis of this. I wanted to get involved in church ministry because I realised, ah, that's where the action is. Hmm. Yeah. I remember Andy Gemmell, I think it was, from um, Proclamation Trust Scotland, gave the illustration of this massive stadium. So think of a Wembley or something, but this is in the heavenly places. So it's, a, it's a flight of imagination, but imagine if there were a heavenly places Wembley. Mm-hmm. And all of the crowds is not human football supporters, but hostile angelic beings, so demonic beings. And they're all watching and they're strapped into their seats because they don't want to be there. And God is about to show on the massive replay screen the evidence of Christ's victory. So Christ is seated above them. We saw that in chapter one. He's far above of every power and authority. But how do they know and how do they have to feel it? How is it rubbed in their face? that Christ conquered them. You could show on the screen Jesus' death on the cross, mm-hmm. or you could show the empty tomb when it's the Sunday, but instead the screen zooms in and here is a little church in Rwanda, and here's a Hutu and a Tutsi Christian who a generation ago were fighting each other's families, and now they're brothers and sisters. And it's actually quite a beautiful thing, isn't it? And, uh, you know, here is Grace Church Greenwich, and here is... Um, you know, two people from different class backgrounds or two people from different ethnicities or um, two people who just would have nothing in common. But now they're in the same family. Or here is in Ephesus, and we said this last time, the, 
the most unimaginably divided group. Here is a Gentile, here is a Jew. You know, these people would not even eat with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they are fellow heirs praying side by side to the same Heavenly Father. And as you see that, you realise Jesus has won. He's ruling. He has achieved this through his death and resurrection. And God is wise. He's done it. And you didn't even see it coming. Yeah. Um, and then, having kind of seen this incredible vista of what God is doing, that the revelation going, God, Paul, church, the heavenly realms, we then look at Paul in prison and our attitude completely <laughs> changes. Because he, he's not just... Um, he's not an embarrassment to me. He's he's my connection to this wonderful glorious plan and I, I'm proud of him and I think your suffering is for me I mean it's, it's a little parable really of the gospel because Jesus suffers and I benefit and Paul gets to play Jesus in that you know his imprisonment is I think the, the verse is on behalf of you Gentiles verse 1 or mm. verse 13 suffering for you so his imprisonment I, I'm proud of it because it's it's for me. Yeah. I guess that just goes for it's it's true of Jesus, it's true of Paul, and it it is a big defence of Paul because Paul. I mean, often Paul is the one who's attacked, isn't he? Even today, so people want to have a go at the gospel. They say, "Oh, I like Jesus, I just don't really like Paul." Mm-hmm. And people say, "Oh, Paul is the one who's misogynistic, or Paul is the one who's homophobic," and people try to carve out. A different kind of Christianity than Paul's one as if you can I mean you have to take the scissors to Jesus quite a lot as well yeah. but the idea that maybe you can have Jesus just telling everyone to love each other but all the really annoying doctrinal stuff comes from Paul and actually you can't get a wedge between Jesus and Paul because yeah. Paul is Jesus commissioned uh, representative but no surprise that he's the one that's attacked mm-hmm. and yet his very weakness is his credibility because he's suffering for the sake of them like if you're um I start, if i meet a german i say oh thank you so much for giving to the world martin luther because all of us if we're protestant christians we think thank you lord for him but if you're a gentile which is nearly <laughs> the whole church um uh you think oh thank you so much that you gave us the apostle paul and he is our guy and my yeah we i, I mustn't be disloyal to the the one that god has given us Amen. Thank you for listening to Grace Pod. For more information about Grace Church Greenwich, visit www.greenwich.church.